episode of Missouri Swagger with Colin Bond and Dennis Hopeless. Uh, Missouri Swagger. Let's not. Let's not go there. That's our, that's our theme song now. All we right. got Swagger and we're from Missouri. You've made me change my mind about the title. <laughs> so, Colin, we are we're recording this at 1014 on a Sunday night. It's a late night for me, brother. It is. It's a late night. Oh, damn. That tells you what kind of night it is. I uh, just got done watching Indiana Jones and the the what's the Ark one called? The Raiders of the Lost Raiders of the Lost first and most famous. Yeah, the best one. The best. I was thinking the name. I had not seen it all the way through. Kyle Strom tried to make me watch it once, and I fell asleep because we were drinking. And I so I saw the ending, which the famous ending with the faces. And I saw most of the beginning, but I had not seen the middle since I was a very little kid. So uh, Scott Drummond, who is a fantastic illustrator here in Kansas City, invited me over. I think that pity invited me. I think he could tell that I was going to have a sad, lonely man's night. So he invited me to come over and eat dinner and watch this fine film. So wow. I've been watching Indiana Jones. Sometimes I forget that you are an idiot when it comes to the movies you have not watched a hundred thousand times. I'm just a little bit younger than you. That movie came out the same time I did. (laughs) Yes, that's true. Um, uh, I remember going to that movie with my mom. She took me to the movie and she leaned over when they were describing the power of Christianity and the power of God. And Mm -hmm. she said, that's just like the force in star Wars. (laughs) Did that blow your mind? Yeah. I was just like, Mom, you really know what's going on. You just made church cool. Yeah. She also took me to see Conan the Barbarian when I was in uh, fourth or fifth grade, whenever that was. And that was not a movie a fourth or fifth grader should be going to see. No. And she brought, she, uh, there was a group of like 10 kids out outside. They couldn't get into it because it was an R-rated movie. And uh, they walked up and they said, would you be our mother today? And she she brought all these kids in. What? She said yes? Yes. That would not happen today. No. You'd get in big trouble. What? I remember when I was like 11 or 12, I, I spent the summer with my grandmother for the most, time, for the most part because there were kids my age near her house and not near mine. And I remember one time I wanted to go see Species because I liked science fiction movies. <laughs> and my grandma would take me whatever movie I wanted to go to. Like that same time she took me to Braveheart. And uh, I don't know, R-rated stuff. Anyway, in the middle of Species, I remember my grandmother looking around and then leaning over into my ear and saying, now I understand why I'm the only girl in here. Because there's like a ton of nudity in Species. Like it's the it's also you're like, not a what? good movie. Oh, no, it's terrible. But yeah. it was mortifying to watch I just, that one. I just rewatched it maybe six months ago. It was like on HBO or something. So I said, like, well, I'll watch that. And uh, I remember why I haven't seen it since I saw it in the theater. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't even really remember it. I just remember my grandmother not not liking it. She did like Braveheart, um, and movie. she took me to Jurassic Park that same year. So hmm. I got to see some stuff. My grandma. So do you have a favorite movie, Dennis? I mean, my favorite movie, honestly, is probably Love Actually. I've All right, seen we're that done. Movie more. It's over. And I. I'm a sap, and I really like romantic comedies, and that one I think might be the best. And there's some scenes in that. What's interesting about that movie is at this point I've liked it for so long that I now relate to different characters. And so, like, some of the scenes that I thought were were really, like, 
heartbreaking or amazing or whatever whenever I was younger uh, now are just like I don't pay that much attention. I've seen it a thousand times and some of the other stuff in it uh, is more relatable, um, which I think is the case with a lot of movies, especially movies that you saw as a kid where there's kids in them and adults in them. And at some point, especially after you have children, you start to relate to the adults, which is really weird. Um, First but, of yeah. all, Love Actually is not the greatest romantic comedy. That's my favorite. It's not the greatest. The greatest romantic comedy is It Could Happen to You, starring Nicolas Cage and Bridget Fonda. It's an awesome romantic comedy. It makes me feel good inside when I watch it. I don't think I've ever seen that. Yeah. Well, you need to go watch it right now. It's a, it's a beautiful movie. Well, I like Love Actually. I want to tell you. I also like I, Music I and Lyrics with Drew Barrymore. Oh, that, yeah, that, that's good. Yeah. Uh, Notting Hill is really good. Um, I've never seen Notting Hill. It is my Raiders of the Lost Ark. There is a movie. I never remember what this damn movie's called. And it is structurally really interesting. And it is a movie about a guy that finds out that he, his family has the power to travel in time, to travel back into their body in previous moments and relive them so they can go backward and like change the way a date went or he can go backward and spend more time with whatever and it changes the timeline so he exists in that timeline after a certain point and uh it is an interesting time travel movie because they never it's not about oh god we messed this up we have to go fix it it's just about like relationships and family and what you're what you're willing to sacrifice and what you wouldn't be what you would do over and what you wouldn't does it have a happy ending or a terribly sad ending? Well, there's a because I'm. I guess I could spoil it because I'm not saying what the fuck it's called. But there's a moment where he finds out his dad has terminal cancer, and the yeah. dad remembers quit his job in order to spend time with him when he was a teenager. Yeah. But the reason that happened is because the dad found out he had terminal cancer, so he went back in time and quit his job to have that extra time. Yeah. So once uh, once that at happens, at some point, he, walking around New York City with my good friend Sean Lee. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sean described this movie to me in in very in detail, and right. I don't know if it was just in a certain mood or I was I was missing home or what, but I was almost crying over that ending you just described, walking around the streets of New York as well, just for him giving me that story. When there's a devastating beat where the guy realizes he can't go back and see his dad anymore because of other things that happened, yeah, that that's the one. I. Because I, I saw it, I, my kids were real little. I think I saw it whenever the, they had just been born. And I lost my own father when I was 20. So the combination of those two trauma, like the trauma of having children and the trauma of losing my father and the way that movie works out. Yeah, I like curled up in a ball and bawled. Yeah, but I, I don't know that it's a romantic. It's, like, it's kind of a funny movie, but I yeah, don't know that it's a romantic I don't know the. I don't know the title. Um, I knew it. But I swore when he told me that story, I would never watch it. And it's probably, watch a, it. it's probably a wonderful movie, but I will not watch it. I, I, there's just no way. I can't do it. The thing, it's a really good movie, and the thing that's interesting about it, it this is funny that we're talking about this on camera. We have no idea what this movie's called. Right. But uh, the way it deals with time travel and the paradox of time travel is really interesting because it doesn't do any of the tropes. And it really doesn't make them pay for the fact that they are using the time travel thing. It's just a matter of like decisions you have to make as you go through life. I don't know. It's great. Uh, so yeah, we might throw up in the comments. I'll figure out what it's called. We'll throw up. I'm sure someone will, someone will tell us, um, I can find out what it's called for sure. But, but I, I do remember 
that story. That's why I asked you if it had a terrible ending because what Sean described to me, uh, it, it broke me up. It, it tore. Yes, me up it has a devastating ending. I yeah, wouldn't. That, yeah, it's I not really. That's why I yeah. can't watch it. It's why I won't watch the movie Big Fish again. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Big Fish is a great movie. I love that movie. I bought it on on Blu-ray or DVD with no intention of ever watching it again. I just can't do right. it. I think it's an awesome movie that I will never watch again. Is the guy too much like your dad? Yeah, yeah, and I don't like. Yeah, yeah I just it. Uh, it's not. Uh, it's just like I said. I love the movie, but I can't. I can't watch it. That's fair. That's. I mean, there's certain movies you don't want to see again. My For favorite very, movie is The Thing. The Thing is fantastic. Uh, I got to see it at the Alamo Draft House with Kyle Strom a few years ago, and it was a clean print. Like it had only been yeah. played like three or four times, so it was like watching it in 1984 or whatever. And it was gorgeous. That's awesome. Yeah. I uh, the first time I watched it, uh, I used to go to the Boys Club uh, in Goldsboro, North Carolina. Uh, we had a Dungeons and Dragons club that would go and, and play Dungeons and Dragons. But, you know, when we weren't playing Dungeons and Dragons, we were just walking around the boys club playing foosball and basketball and watching movies. They had this giant TV with a laser disc player and somebody brought the thing in and played the thing for all of us children to watch. Uh, right. And it was amazing. What a great movie to watch with a bunch of kids who have no idea what they're in for. What they're in for, yeah. Yeah. That scene where the guys, you know, got the defibrillator and, and the, the guy's yeah. chest opens up and chomps down. I think I heard so many kids screaming just because nobody expected it. They're just like, what's right. going on? I hope this doctor saves this nice gentleman. Because <laughs> in a lot of cases, the kids were just wandering by. They had no idea what they were watching. They're like, oh, man, it's uh, an episode of whatever medical show was popular back then. Quincy, probably. And they thought they were watching Quincy and then... This thing chomps Quincy's the arms. Hell is Quincy? I would have gone to Saint Elsewhere. The thing is older than Saint Elsewhere. It's not older. Yeah. Than, it might be older than Quincy. I don't know what the fuck Quincy is. So what about Marcus Welby? Was he a TV doctor? I think Marcus Welby was also a TV doctor. I don't know. Or a musician. He's either a musician or a TV doctor. The it's a weird thing about like you and I. Part of our childhoods overlap, but because you're older than me, there are things that you remember from early childhood that do not exist to me whatsoever. And then there's also stuff that I was into that to you was just kitty crap that didn't matter it's, later. It's, it's what makes me a better person. What makes you a different person? <laughs> better. Better. That's better, be than, better than something. Yes. Certainly not better than me. Um, so yeah, uh, Indiana Jones. What's that? Awesome? I'll give you another favorite movie. What do I like? What do I like? I really like uh, Road Warrior. Yeah, Road Warrior's good. The, my dad and I had a strange relationship because he was a little bit of a piece of shit. Uh, and I loved him to death, but we had an antagonistic relationship and he was... I don't know. It's a weird guy. But... It's interesting. A lot of the things that that I got really into, like my my passions and my hobbies, were stuff that he would just like say, "Hey, this is cool. Like Mad Max is really cool." So I was really into Mad Max. Or like he found me, he stole a box of comic books out of someone's uh, barn one time. My dad would go pilfer around people's barns looking for old cars, and then if he found one, he would go to try to like talk them out of it for nothing. So he would he would collect old cars that he was 
planning on restoring one day and then instead he spent 15 years building a three-car garage in the backyard and then died and never did it. He was but, like the American Pickers before American Pickers. Yes, except for way less legal because he definitely just broke and entered. Mm. And one time he was looking for something and he found an old box of comic books and just took them, brought them to me and gave them to me. And I think that uh, sparked my love of comic books. But definitely, like, science fiction and like things like Star Trek and Star Wars and Mad Max, uh, I got from my dad. My dad loved Road Warrior. So um, I think I, I, uh, I think I broke Road Warrior for myself for a while. I watched it so many times that I stopped liking it. Uh, which is it because weird. the Lord Humongous is just so attractive that it's hard to I don't pay know what attention. it was, but there was a there was a time where I would have told you that uh Thunderdome was a more watchable movie than Road Warrior because I'd watched Road Warrior so many times I was tired of it and Thunderdome was giving me something that Road Warrior wasn't. Obviously not a better movie but by any stretch of the imagination, but for a while I would rather watch that than Road Warrior. I mean, Master Blaster is a better character than anything Master in Road Warrior. <laughs> is the greatest. He is my, he is my uh, spirit animal, Master Blaster. Both of them together. It's it's <laughs> two for one. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. There's some really fun stuff. I liked Thunderdome a lot when I was a little kid because it was crazy, but it's not a good movie. No. Um, anyway, but yeah, so I like Mad Max so much and Road Warrior so much that when I was watching. Uh, Fury Road in the theater, I was crying. Like I, I smiled through the whole thing. My teeth were visible through the whole thing, uh, and it was like a almost a not a religious experience. But I felt like my not, no movie has ever existed that my dad would have loved more than Fury Road, okay. and he didn't get to see it, so he was like sort of there with me. Um, to That's a big awesome. fan. Yeah, um, my I, my favorites vary by. Uh, you know, genre and day of the week. Uh, the thing is always pretty high up there. Alien is pretty high up there. Right. Uh, seven, uh, seven Samurai is pretty high up there. Um, Big Trouble in Little China will always be uh, ranked somewhere near the top. 80s movies are weird because if you saw them when you were a child, they're amazing. Yes. And if you saw them when you were an adult and didn't, they yes. don't age that well. So, like, Big Trouble, I understand why people like it, but it seems really hammy to me. Whereas, That's the point. Come on. I know it's the point, but I didn't, I didn't get it. And Ghostbusters, I don't get Ghostbusters at all because I did not see that until I was 25, and then I thought it was slow and boring. And the, I loved the cartoon when I was a kid, and I saw Ghostbusters 2 in the theater, and Ghostbusters 2 is a flame, like a smoldering pile of shit. It is so bad. Ghostbusters 2 is so bad. The only thing like that is good about Ghostbusters right 2, the only thing good like about it. Ghostbusters 2 is that Bill Murray clearly doesn't care that he's in a movie and just reads the lines with whatever expression he decides to, and that I'm is not, hilarious. I'm not happy with this the way this conversation is going. Uh, it's true. It's a, I, I you know I'm not a person that loves hating on things. I'd rather tell you about things that I love, and I I know people love Ghostbusters, not for me. I love Ghostbusters. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but I no think doubt. you're right um, because I think back on like. Uh, awesome movie-going experiences, and uh, Big Trouble in Little. Ch and this is not—I didn't go to the movies to see Big Trouble in Little China. I missed it, but when it was out, you know, first run. But uh, I was in Amarillo, Texas, staying in a little motel, and HBO showed Big Trouble in Little China and Aliens back to back, and I saw them for the first time together, 
And it was one of my favorite nights right. of ever watching a movie. Was watching it on some little television in a road, in, you know, in a roadside Amarillo, Texas motel. Um, and, and that night was special to me. Same thing with a uh, Fright Night and House. Oh, Fright Night's awesome. Fright Night and House played on HBO one night, and I watched them back to back. And mm. uh, as a kid, and I thought it was the greatest. You know the greatest moment of my life. I was like, "This is what movies are supposed to be." So, uh, so yeah, right. I get it. I mean, uh, it, to some degree, the experience, the memory of watching it, is as important to me as the movie itself. With those, right. um, and I think I've, I know I've told you this. I know I've told Kyle Strom this. Uh, he loves the story. Uh, we were in Texas, um, and there was a movie coming out that we knew nothing about. My dad and I knew nothing about this movie. It was Predator. And we thought, going into it, it was just another Arnold action movie. I thought, based on the poster, it was a sequel to Commando. <laughs> we had no idea that it was uh, anything other than an action movie. So, I, you know, I'll never forget sitting down in the theater and the movie starts and that ship comes down and shoots the little pod down to earth. And I was like, I don't know what just happened. I don't know what movie this is. I, right. I, I don't know how I avoided trailers for predator. I have no idea how I never saw a trailer for it. Um, but Did it blow your awesome, mind. What an awesome movie to watch without knowing anything about it. It would only thing that would have made it better is if that ship wasn't in the first couple of minutes. Like you, if I didn't know it was an alien movie until the until the Predator shoots Jesse Ventura and blows his chest out, right. that would have made it a perfect movie for me. Yeah, I love that. I, I used to like on HBO. My, my so we didn't have cable when I was a kid, and my my grandmother did. And she always had HBO. And my favorite thing was to turn on an HBO movie. After it had said the name, but before, when the credits were still going, she had no idea what you were watching. And right. it, just, it could be anything. It could start up. One time, uh, that's how I saw Batman 1989. Is It was just like an opening seat. I think it's maybe the newsroom scene or something at the very beginning <laughs> where it wasn't clear it was Batman. I'm like, this is a Batman movie? It blew my mind. That's a great um, way of watching movies. Yeah. People should yeah, do that. that. I, don't, I don't like trailers the way they are now. I don't like that trailers have trailers. Yeah. Uh, you go to YouTube, and now at the beginning, when they play t- trailers, there's a little clip of the trailer, and it says, "Get ready, here's the trailer for whatever Godzilla, King of Monsters, or whatever." And I've already right. seen a couple of seconds of it because they're they're actually promoting the trailer before it starts. Right. Well, I, trailers are problematic if you understand st- plot structure too. Because you can put together oftentimes the entire movie based on the little bits they give you if you understand Thank how goodness work. I don't understand Fox structure. That's saving greens. Um, hey, yeah, I tried you know, to watch Terminator trailers. 2. Terminator 2, the trailer, I remember very clearly, had his thumb going down into the, into the molten Which is metal. Insane. I know, right? It's terrible. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, although, when you, if you think about it, when you were watching the Terminator 2 trailer, you didn't realize that the Terminator was the good guy, right? Because he had been the bad guy in the previous one. So unless the trailer gave you a lot away, that scene yeah. wouldn't have had the same resonance it does at the end of the movie. Yeah, I can't remember if I knew going into it. I guess I didn't, but I don't remember. Yeah, the thing you were talking about, hotel rooms, my father 
would uh, go out of town all the time when I was a kid, and he would relay the plots to episodes of Tales from the Crypt to me. He would watch Tales from the Crypt in a hotel room, and then he would come back and he would tell me. So he, I had like a store in my head of all these Tales from the Crypt episodes, but we didn't have cable, we didn't have HBO. And I remember one time uh, I was, I guess I, I was at a hotel for something, and everybody was asleep. And I turned the TV on, and one of those episodes of Tales from the Crypt came on, and I remembered my dad telling me about it, and I was so excited because, like, I kind of knew it was coming, but also I was going to be able to tell dad about it. And so Tales from the Crypt, I always loved because of that, and would watch it at my grandma's house or any any chance I got, because it was this thing my dad would share to me as like a, you know, like a narration uh, that I, I could like- watch. I feel like Tales from the Crypt is a show that's probably best watched like in a really cheap motel room and it's got one of those beds with the little quarter machines where the bed vibrates. Yes, and that's I think, definitely what this was. You know, a soda in hand, Tales from the Crypt on television, then that bed shaking, that's probably the best way to watch a, a Tales from the Crypt episode. And I love the show, but man, was it cheesy. Oh, yeah, super cheesy. It was perfect for a little kid, though, because it's a perfect level of horror and the twists were always really fun and it was right. a good... Um, so those magic fingers, let's get back to the vibrating bed. Yeah. Was that supposed to be a massage or is that a sex thing? Cause I definitely played with them when I was a little kid. And then, but I remember thinking at I'm some sure point, it's a little bit of both, right? It well, was why fun. would you want to vibrate? I mean, I, is, I don't it's, know. I'm conflicted about that. And they didn't exist when I was old enough to have, I don't think they were them. very sexy. I mean, they were... Like, <laughs> but they were called magic fingers. <laughs> Is that what they were called? Yes. Magic fingers. It's a... I don't know, dude. Well, um, maybe they just weren't made for you. Well, they definitely weren't made for me. Because I, I was a child, and they yanked them out of there by the time I was old enough to, for them to have been... I feel like <laughs> any time I was at a motel that had those, they were already like 45 years old. And we're on the literally on the the verge of just going out completely. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess that's that's a good point. They were probably very, very delightful in the early days. Like when they first installed them, they were probably smooth. You know, no, but I then they became so. they shook like a washing machine. I mean, nothing that none of that stuff that they had in, in those like seventies and eighties motels to, to to be features that they could trick you into coming there for were worth a damn. Yeah, you're probably like right. a bathtub with jets. If it's the size of a regular bathtub, just sprays water out of it. Did you ever see in those uh, the motels with the they had the switch in the bathroom that would turn on this really bright like red light or something? It's a tanning light. What was it for? I think it's a tanning light. Yeah, well, I don't think you were supposed to tan. Wasn't it like a sauna attack? I don't know. Supposed to do for it. Yeah, right. no, I never understood that. Same sort of thing. Like, there's no way anybody used that for anything. Little kids would turn it on and be like, Meh! but I don't think there's any, there's no way it had a purpose. No. Yeah, but that's what I remember of old hotels, those beds and those lights in the, in the, I'm sure someone will tell us what, yeah, we'll about, find out what those were all for. Things. You know, and they'll tell us if, please, you know, if you've used those vibrating beds for whatever purpose, I would love for you to share that with us. <laughs> When I was a kid, I also, because of uh, like movies and TV, I assumed that every motel had a honeymoon suite with a rotating heart-shaped bed, and I have never actually seen one of those in the wild. No, I don't think there are that many of them out there. I think that's a, it's, a, it's a myth. 
Yeah. With something created. I also didn't understand that the movies weren't just a reflection of the real world. They were a, a world that was being created. I thought everything was real. Yes. I, and it's, it was with great sadness that I realized that was not the case. Because <laughs> you wanted to be on that heart-shaped bed spinning? It's just any movie. I just want to be in any of that. I want to go on adventures with the Goonies. I I wanted to uh, go back. I wanted to ride the DeLorean and Back to the Future. I wanted all that stuff. I wanted it all to be real. Very, well, that's why very, we make fiction for a living, I think. That's because right. Because at some point we were disappointed to learn that the real world is boring. That's right. And now we just make, we may make head worlds inside our heads that we describe to artists who then draw them. And right. then all these fine people get to read them. That's right. Or you could, if you know, if you want, you could just send us money directly. Yes, just Don't, send us your money. And we will tell you our stories. We'll tell That's you right. our stories here. Um, there's a thing I actually want to do. Um, I, I want to ask the audience if they would be interested in this. Cullen and I do a thing with, to help one another out when we're working on plot outlines, where we'll call and just kind of run over a plot and, and get notes back and forth. And we obviously can't record that for books. The, you know, the, the, we can't record it and throw it up right now because those books aren't out yet. But we could record one now, yeah. and in four months Save when it. that book comes out, show the, the thought process of it. Um, so if you guys would be interested in that, it's going to take a little bit more planning, than obviously, than we normally do. <laughs> so we we'd are. like to know you're interested. Um, Maybe more planning might... than we are capable of. But yeah. Yeah, We'll get used to it. I saw somebody uh, disparaging us online the other day, suggesting that we'll see. People usually apparently give up on things uh, when they don't get immediate gratification. And so they were speculating that you and I would quit if we didn't immediately get, you know, 100,000 followers. That is not how I work, and I don't think that's how you work. So you guys can expect us to be talking to the 100 of you or whatever. Who said that? Who said that? It doesn't matter. It does matter. Someone who's entitled to their opinion. All right. Whatever. That's fine. Yeah. Um. All right, so we've talked about uh, romantic comedies and Tales from yes. the Crypt and Vibrating Beds. I think we've we've covered a lot of ground tonight. Yeah, um, glad we did this. I am too. Uh, Are you, is it time for your Missouri Swagger story? Oh, I can tell a quick one. We talked a lot about my dad, so I'll tell another story. You, they're not all about my dad. Um, but this one is absolutely 1,000% all about Missouri because my parents moved to Missouri when I was 18 years old. They got the brilliant idea that they wanted to own a 400-acre cattle farm in uh, Thayer, Missouri. Where's that? Uh, it's right on the Arkansas-Missouri border. Okay. Um, so I didn't go with them immediately. I stayed in North Carolina for a little while until I realized I just wasn't quite ready to live on my own. <laughs> and right. uh, I was getting ready to go to college, and I didn't want to go to college you know, without you know, some sort of support network and uh i ended up following them to missouri a few months later and on the first night that i came into the house my parents they had this like i said they bought a huge spread of land and it had a big nice really cool house on on this property the first night i was in the house i was upstairs and then i said well i'm gonna go downstairs and get my stuff unpacked and i, I went downstairs and in the living room downstairs there was a bucket like a you know like a ten gallon bucket and it had a book over not ten gallon I don't know how many gallons are in a bucket it was a bucket you know uh, and and it had a book over the top of it and at first I didn't think anything about it I was like okay there's a weird bucket in the middle of the room book on top 
but there was something, uh, as I walked by, there was something like popping, hitting, hitting the book. Right. So, you know, you could hear it. Sure. And I was like, well, so, and the book was moving. It was moving on top of the bucket. It was shaking. Right. So I walked over to the bucket and I just, you know, I just flipped the lid off and flipped the book off. And there were three gigantic tarantulas in this bucket <laughs> that my younger brother had gone out and collected during the day and put in the bucket to terrorize me with them. Um, and these tarantulas were jumping, trying to get out of the, the bucket. So when I saw them, I, you know, I, I was like, hey, tarantulas. Not really. Right. I, I shrieked. I shrieked loudly, and I kicked the bucket over, and the tarantulas started scurrying around the living room. And uh, we had to uh, we had to collect them and get them out of the uh, out of the house. Uh, and that's how I learned that Missouri has a lot of tarantulas. So they were just like in the house. Yeah. Um, I would not have guessed that Missouri had a lot. The only tarantulas I've ever seen were at a pet store in right. Missouri. So. So to take that one step further, there was after, not long after that, my, we lived down this long dirt road. Like to get to the main road, we had to drive like a couple of miles down a dirt road. And I was driving down this road and I'm looking across the road and I'm like, what is this in the road? Look at all these rocks. And I realized they weren't rocks. There were thousands of tarantulas, Texas browns, crawling across the road. And apparently they migrate during certain times of the year. By the thousands, they're just moving through, you know, through the grass in this area of Missouri. So you just uh, run them over? Well, that's all you could do. You couldn't, I mean, you you couldn't stop. They're everywhere. What a so, horrifying nightmare for both you and the tarantulas. Yeah. Um, and scorpions. They had a lot of scorpions, too. But I'll yeah. tell a scorpion story some other time. Um, but, yeah, uh, just if you didn't know that about Missouri... Uh, in Thayer, at least, and I don't know if it's still the case, but, you know, 20-something years ago, by the thousands, these tarantulas would march across the road during certain times of year. That is, uh, I don't I don't really mind spiders that much, but it seems really creepy. Like, if those were snakes, I would curl up in a ball and die. Yeah, there were no snakes. These weren't snakes, but, but definitely tarantulas. So, yeah, there you go. Uh, that's a 100% a Missouri story. That's a good one. All right, folks. Thanks for watching. Promise yep. we'll get better. Can't Don't, get worse. We got to stop promising that. We're awesome. But <laughs> we'll if you did like it, if you liked it, uh, click the little thumbs up and, yes. uh, and subscribe. Subscribe. Make sure you're still subscribed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All we'll right. Thanks, guys. Soon.